Hello and welcome. I'm Paul. I've been a Louisville native for all of uh, six months, but I recently got the chance to sit down with a local business owner and talk about entrepreneurship. The voice you're about to hear is that of Scott Poindexter with Dimension 4 VR, a virtual reality arcade in New Albany, Indiana, and the first arcade in the southern Indiana, Louisville area. So I'm Scott Poindexter with uh, Dimension 4 VR. We are a virtual reality arcade in New Albany, Indiana, and uh, the first uh, the first arcade in the southern Indiana, Louisville area. I start out by asking Scott where he got the inspiration for his idea. Having, you know, I've done virtual reality from a personal standpoint for the last few years, just in my home and with friends. And, you know, we had always, after, we would have groups over and whether it's, you know, you, we hang out, have a few beers and everybody gets in and you see how excited everyone is. Uh, and then at one point we had seen where I think it was over in Japan, we had seen where they had opened an arcade and it was a big hit and they do like Mario Kart over there. They do things over there that we can't get. Um, but I'd seen that and seen a story and it was like, you know, that would be, that would be really cool to do here. And you see the excitement around it when we have people at the home. And so, and then it just fizzled out. It's one of those things you see and you're like, that would be really neat, but maybe that's not realistic. Um, then fast forward and you start seeing them pop up in, in, in main cities, uh, on the West coast in Canada and it starts becoming big. And, uh, my business partner actually went on a, uh, on a trip, I think he was in Phoenix and he was on a business trip and they ended up stopping by an arcade. And then when he came back home, he called and said, Hey, I went and did this and, uh, it was a hit. And he's like, why haven't we done this really? And that was really the catalyst to say, okay, it, you know, we're both at, I don't know that we're stagnant in our current careers, but it, we were comfortable enough that we could look at what would it, what would it be like to jump off on our own and, and does this make sense? And then we started kind of looking at the, from our, you know, kind of got past the fantasy of, man, that would be so cool. And we love video games and to do to, okay, let's look at it from a business standpoint and how realistic is it um, to invest in something like this? And that's kind of how that started. But what were they doing prior to this? And do they have other jobs? So we were maintaining both. Uh, uh, my partner, Damon, works for the uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And I work for a company called Rest Care Incorporated. So I'm a senior procurement manager with them. Uh, so something where none of us are anywhere in line with virtual reality. Um, but from a hobby standpoint, we were knowledgeable enough and from a customer standpoint, our engagement and, and past careers kind of, and, and kind of the business savvy aspect of it, um, we felt confident that we could pull this off with, you know, we've we input from um, other, you know, business, not business partners, but other relationships uh, and other entrepreneurs, um, some, you know, financial side of things. A lot of, there's been a lot of time and a lot of input um, from various sources kind of leading us in the way and kind of filling us in on the things we didn't know. Um, so that, but yeah, our background was nowhere in line with this. I mentioned the mentality of copying the coasts and Scott goes into more detail on that. Well, we had to look at, uh, so obviously, as, as you mentioned, the capital, so they can do a lot of things that we can't just from a simple standpoint of looking at the disposable income within that area. And um, you have things, you know, various boutique uh, locations from cryotherapy to, um, you know, certain types of like there's a virtual reality workout center. And that would never do it because the, the price point is just way, way up there. And so it's a very niche group. 
Uh, so yeah, we had to look at that and say, okay, here's what, and you know, a lot of arcade owner, owners are very open about their, their, um, how they come to their pricing. So we're part of a group that does, uh, discussions online about how, how's business going. It's a, because it's so new, everyone's really open about the information and they want to see virtual reality succeed. And so they'll talk about their models and how they got there and what that looks like for someone else. So having some of that information, not all of it up front, but some of that, but then also looking at what they're doing, say on, in, in California and like LA where some of the larger ones are um, and then in Canada as well. And saying, okay, what's their price point, and then what does ours have to be um, for it to be successful from our standpoint, but also um, available to just the general public, so anyone can really come in and afford to enjoy the entertainment experience and not have to, you know, have to save up, and it's like a once every few months type of scenario. So, it, it, yeah, it was just looking, and you know, looking at so what are the other entertainment options in our area, whether that's you know, bowling or the, you know, uh, trampoline parks or other that we have, you know, various other larger arcade scenario um, venues in Louisville. So it's trying to be within that price point for the same uh, maybe time that, that you're allowed to play or you can play. Um, but then also realizing that this is a once, you know, you can't get this anywhere else. And so, you know, there's a few different factors that played into it. In my mind, sometimes I see VR as kind of a novelty, but as Scott talks about his business, I see how it could really have some staying power. We hope so. So the there's a few things that benefit us. So one, you know, you can get a standalone. You um, well, you can buy the. You know, we utilize the HTC Vive, so anyone can go buy an HTC Vive. Um, so the other factors are having a PC that meets the requirements to play it. Um, it, yeah, and that and that gets that gets pricey if you want it. Now you can enter, you can get a PC with a minimal VR specs, but then every game you go into, you have to turn down the resolution, your frame rates drop, and it's not a super enjoyable experience. So to get one that really runs it, and then also dedicating your space of a space of your home, whether that's a three meter by three meters square or larger, and you know having that always cleaned out and ready to play. Um, cause I know a lot of individuals who initially purchased VR just in various discussions we've seen, you know, they get tired of moving chairs and couches out of the way just so they can play. And then they have to put it all back when they're done. Um, so it plays to our advantage that most people aren't going to go out and buy a gaming PC. They're not going to go through the setup. And then, then on top of that, you know, we have right now we're up to 70 titles. So to, for someone to go out and purchase all 70 of those titles is another significant expense. Um, so there's several different things that kind of play to our advantage to why we think, you know, aside from virtual reality staying, but that this model will, will be around for quite a while. There's something of an analogy in swimming pools. While anyone could just buy a pool and maintain it, a lot of times it makes a lot more sense just to have a community pool. Having very painfully built my own PC before, I point out that Scott seems to have what could become almost a staple of the community, as people would rather have a VR center experience than maintain and update expensive VR equipment that quickly becomes obsolete. I, I've been to the same thing, and uh, and that's another, you know, it and it adds up over time. And um, now, you know, some people are just dedicated, and that's if that's their thing, then, you know, it is what it is, and you spend what 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 you do to to 
you know, keep that hobby going and make yourself happy and enjoy yourself. Uh, but, but again, you know, some people said, you know, well, I have an Xbox and I have game and, and, you know, it is, it is video games essentially, but again, you know, parents aren't going to typically go buy, you know, a computer and all of this for X amount of dollars for Christmas where the, you know, they can go buy a console for a few hundred bucks. And that's somewhat reasonable in this day and age. And having a dedicated facility for VR can make it all that much more immersive. And, and, you know, it's it's funny. A lot of people, and I've always enjoyed seeing everyone's first-time experience. And that that's even translated here. It is, it's amazing when someone comes in, and most of the time they're kind of standoffish. They're kind of nervous about it, and they don't, they're not as vocal. Uh, and then you see them when they get out of the game after like an hour of playing. They're, they're almost a different person as far as their engagement with us. Um, how, you know, just their excitement in general, like it, it was just amazing. I've seen, you know, you fathers and sons have come in, especially, you know, we just wrapped up father's day. So there were several of those type of pairs that, that would come in and, and the father would be quiet and he would just be like, Oh, I just put me in this thing. I'm probably not going to like it. And I even had a couple of dads when they were done. Um, he said, I didn't think I was going to really enjoy it, but that was, that was just great. Like that was amazing. And he's excited and he's talking. And so, but seeing people, and again, that it was fun, like you had mentioned, where we would have groups, and you get in one and one, uh, and you'd watch people play, and you watch them have a good time, and that's there's something to that where you see people interacting, uh, but also that that interaction when you get the groups, the multiplayer, and they're in this virtual world together, and they're interacting, and that is a totally new level of excitement, and you see. I mean, we've been in here where they're they're yelling at each other, even though they can hear each other through the speakers. They still feel like they have to yell at each other and um, just to you know survive, whether they're shooting zombies or you know trying to do a puzzle or whatever that is. Um, but there is definitely an aspect to that that group, everyone getting in together, that really plays well with this environment. VR is one of those things that you just have to experience before you really understand. And it really can immerse you and create an adrenaline rush that is normally reserved for fast-paced real-world activities. No, yeah, absolutely. I would agree. And it's and it's that, I guess it's also that, that mystery, like they don't know what to expect. And, you know, and most people, if they've, you know, they watch it on YouTube or they, and they see someone play it and you, you look at that flat screen and you can somewhat, you try to imagine what it's like in it. You see, you're like, oh, well, they're seeing this picture that I'm seeing on a flat screen, um, but then when they get in there and they see like you are immersed, like your peripheral vision is that world and wherever you look it and it doesn't take long for your body to start to kind of and your mind starts believing it's in that world. And I think that's what really adds to that wow factor is they are just immediately transported somewhere else. Um, and then it, it's funny. They a lot of people have the same comment when they take the the uh, headset off too when they're back they're like man that was so it's so vivid and you know whether this is a bad thing but they come back to the real world and they're like ah oh, the colors are so dull here and um and you know that it's funny that we've heard that multiple times and so um it's just it, again it just plays to how how immersive the experience is and how just it, it it can just add like you said it creates this excitement that most of the time you don't see until unless it's something like you mentioned skydiving well while it may not be that quite the adrenaline rush, you still have this smile that you can see on people's face that lets them let you know that they really did enjoy themselves. I wondered how Scott chose where to put his business and how he found the space. I mentioned uh, my business partner, Damon. Uh, he had called when he got back from Phoenix. And so at that point, again, we had had conversations with uh, 
various friends about, hey, what you know, this would be really cool. And everybody kind of agreed. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, so when he came to me and I said, you know what, let's really, yeah, I agree. Uh, let's start looking at this and see what it would really take. There was an, an initial reach out to a few different uh, friends and family uh, who had had, we'd had discussions in the past and expressed some kind of interest. Um, and so we all started looking and uh, the first um, focus was the Louisville area. We thought, you know, people, there was always that stigma that people don't come to Indiana from Louisville to really do much. So it was like, well, let's make sure we're in Louisville so we get the largest group we can. Um, and we looked at several locations in Louisville. Obviously, there was a price point that was uh, much higher. Uh, we ran into just different stipulations regarding, you know, this the, the center we were going to be in and what it what we could operate our there was a there's several different things that we kept hitting somewhat of a roadblock and then we just didn't find a space that stood out either that really said you know we would find something we'd say okay this could work uh, we could fit x amount of bays in here um but it's gonna be tight and we don't want to just settle on a space just to get the first one uh so we kept looking uh one of the gentlemen uh who was a part of it at that time uh, just happened to he was over in the area and mentioned this was a supercuts and I think he was maybe at five guys and said hey that, that there's a place it used to be a supercuts is it, there's a sign for horizon commercial realty and so um, we all just drove up here and peeked in the windows and you know this was just a wide open space is about 2400 square foot uh, and it you know it was everything we wanted it was actually we thought it was a little bit big for what we wanted um, but after getting in and several different, you know, walkthroughs and kind of mapping out on the floor using scotch tape on or painter's tape on what we thought a bay would look like here and what what some some layout possibilities, um, we just moved forward. Now, through that process, you know, a few different uh, potential business partners kind of kind of bowed out whether there was um, just not they just didn't feel it was right at that time. Um, and so then it narrowed down it, again. It was just Damon and myself were the final two and we just kept moving forward with this space, uh, ended up, uh, getting signed and worked with a construction company to, and Damon actually went through and designed, uh, what, what he thought the space should look like. And so, and you see our, our, our partitions and our bays and, you know, we had different options as far as should we do curtained walls? Should we do rigid walls? Um, we looked and we looked at a number of different arcades and kind of said, okay, what did they do? What's their setup look like? Um, how can we modify that? What, and ultimately where do we want to go with this? Um, and so yeah, we finally, we, we settled on rigid walls that were, you know, structurally sound. Uh, and that also allowed us to run this, um, a, a trough up the middle so we could suspend our wiring uh, so you don't have uh, wires down at your feet. And there was a number of, number of different benefits to doing it this way. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, long story short, we, we found the place. And, again, there was still discussions on Indiana versus Louisville. And, you know, we all live in Indiana. So, or well, both of us now. And uh, so it also it made sense to that extent. I said, look, let's try it. There's still a big enough market in southern Indiana. Um, if, if it's going to be a hit, it'll, it'll work here. Uh, and then, you know, maybe down the road we look at opening second or third and eventually jump to that Louisville market. Um, but yeah, no, we contracted with a local construction company and 
they met our needs. We, you know, went through all the permitting. We had, we had to add, add a restroom, things like that, just to make sure we're up to code. Um, but that's, yeah, in a nutshell, that's where we're at now. And, you know, we're still doing build out, still decorating, still working in the party rooms. Um, so we can facilitate birthday parties and, um, but it's, it's ongoing. Yeah. I like the idea of not being in the dead center of the city, but still being able to appeal to Louisville. We had several people say, people don't go to Indiana. And, you know, we, we had heard that and we kind of knew that, but, but then people were somewhat reinforcing that. Uh, but we have several individuals who come in and we'll, add, we'll just get to talking. We, we try to make it a very open, you know, it's not like you come in and say, okay, what do you need? Let's check you out. Let's get you going. I'd, I like to engage with everyone and, you know, what's your name? I'm Scott. I'm Damon. This is this. Um, and at, in those conversations, we've had a lot of people that say, oh, yeah, we live in Louisville. We just heard this was over here. So we drove over to check it out, um, which is great to hear It's that we're, we're getting some of that traffic. Scott had mentioned birthday parties earlier, and I wanted to know more about his target market. We have a couple different crowds. Um, obviously, kids love it. Um, typically, ages usually about six to seven and up just because of that's usually where their head's big enough that it'll fit the headset. Um, and so it's, you know, we try to get all age groups, but there's been a, a huge uh, part of our population has been kind of like an eight to 12 age, age range. Uh, and then it seems to jump up to 25 to 35, like groups within that range have come in. Um, but we knew it was going to be a hit with kids and we wanted it to be a place to, cause you know, there's only so many, as we talked before, there's only so many venues to have birthday parties. And we thought, man, this would be really cool if we could do, you know, dedicated parties where everybody in the party and our, the way our, we've structured it is, you know, you get your, the birthday party would last like two and a half hours. And so the first hour, everyone, and we, we have to limit it to about eight people, but everyone's in a headset and we can join them all in the same game. Everybody plays together. Uh, and then the the last hour we have a dedi- we have two dedicated rooms. One has two VR units. The other is like their banquet room where everybody can sit and if they have birthday cake, they can eat cake and do presents. Um, but they get full use of that for another hour and a half, so kids can swap in and out. And typically, after an hour of dedicated playing, most kids need a break or want a break. Um, and so it'll be good. They can still have two headsets where they can kind of swap in and out and do their own thing, and we'll we'll be there to assist. Uh, and then also, you know, they do the birthday cake and they do presents. Um, and, you know, our hope is one that, you know, again, it gives people another option for birthday parties. Um, and two, from a business standpoint, um, we feel that that's going to create such a domino effect as far as repeat business. Uh, and to that point, um, a lot of our customers have we've seen multiple times, two and three times, and they'll come back with a friend or they'll come back with a sibling. Uh, and so the hope is, you know, if we have eight kids come in for a birthday party, uh, even if one of those kids says, well, I don't have my party here too, uh, then there's another eight kids or six kids, whatever that is. Um, but then also there's a, there's a strong likelihood they'll play a game, but they'll see one of the other 60 titles, 70 titles they didn't get to play and they'll want to come back and then possibly bring somebody else. So it's just keeping that business going. Well, that certainly beats the movie theater party room. Sure. Well, that's, that's the hope again. It's, and you know, we, we've done, you know, I have two kids and we've done parties at the, at the bounce places we've done where you rent the blow ups and we've, we've done it. And eventually it's like, well, it's the same party over and over. And so we thought, you know, this is something again, we're the only one within a couple hours of this area. Um, and so 
you know, let's offer this experience and, you know, surely someone will want to take advantage of it. At least that's the hope. I mentioned that when I first came in, it was a large group of guys. And that seemed like that might be a common or popular customer, at least at first. Yeah, a lot of guys come. So we've we've started implementing and we're still kind of in a soft opening scenario. Um, but, you know, we wanted to build a community around gaming and virtual reality, but, you know, focused on gaming and, and you know, esports is big and and people, the competitive nature of individuals and challenges. So we're like, okay, we're going to institute challenges for the month. So our first challenge was focused around a multiplayer experience. And it was a, it was in regards to a game called Arizona Sunshine. And in this, four people can get in and they defend like a tent from zombies. And it's wave-based. So, you know, you see how many ways you can get through. And so as we put that out, you know, we would, we had a group come in and they were kind of our baseline and they got to wave 18. And so we took a picture of them. You throw it up on social media. Next thing you know, somebody sees that and they're like, oh, we can beat that. They come in and then you throw their picture up and it just, it keeps going. And, but it's fun. Like we've had, uh, we've had one group of guys, um, their brothers, they've been in three or four times at least, and they keep upping their level, uh, but they're and it's great because they're beating other guys and they're talking, uh, and they have other friends that have come in and it's it's creating like a a social aspect to it as well. Whether you know they find new people to play with and they new people to challenge against and say, oh, I, I got to beat him. We got and it's a it's a uh, a very um, friendly competitiveness and that's that's what we want. We want people to be in here and just waiting to go in and and outdo the next person. Uh, but but it has been and once and we had yeah we had a few guys in here uh, I think it was Sunday and we put them in the same game and they were they were first timers and then they just took off and they immediately were just in it and they were loving they're yelling at each other they're they're but they're also they're working together they're figuring out a good strategy um, so I think the the group of males is gonna be a big selling point especially with uh, some of the newer games we've just been demoing and kind of testing this week. Uh, and so we've got another group I'm going to use as a as a test group to come in and and make sure that we're on the mark. But um, there's several experiences that I think are going to focus to that group. But it, again, it doesn't mean though that it's just just for males. I mean we've you know we have uh, we've had our share of, of female gamers come in. We haven't had a large group of them yet. Um, typically, it's just been one offs, and they they've been in their own adventure, which is perfectly fine. And there's some amazing uh, amazing games for that. But on the group side, it's typically been just a bunch of guys. Looking around the shop and just the fact that it's an arcade is kind of a callback to traditional old school arcades and the feeling of community that they had. Well, and that's, you know, we we grew up, uh, I'm 36 now. And uh, so I grew up in, you know, when I was a kid, if I got to go to the arcade, like that was the highlight of the week. Um and that was where I could spend, you know, all day. And then even after when I turned 18, we still had that time we had like the River Falls Mall was still an arcade and we would go and we would hang out there and we would play video games. And there was a community like you'd see the same people and you'd start talking to them. And then you'd start, you know, player versus player on a certain game. And eventually everybody would meet there at a certain time. And whether we were considered dorks or nerds or I mean, we were gamers and that was what we liked to do. And so that's what we did. Uh, and so we wanted to like, you know, that's, and we actually, so a lot of our decor that we're waiting to come in, we're going to hang up. It will be throwbacks to some retro gaming. And while, you know, this is, 
uh, virtual reality is much more advanced than that. It's we still like to throw it back to what was the original arcade like and that the feel and and we want that feel like you know we're we have a TV and then we're constantly playing like old 80s movies just so when you walk in and it it's stuff that we loved and we know people now some of that doesn't translate for the younger kids um, but luckily they come in and uh, you know they saw we had like a Super Mario cartoon or the Zelda cartoon on and you know kids still like it because they're like I've never seen this before and it looks kind of neat um, but they jump in the VR and they're taken away but at least for the older like people my age and even older like I had a gentleman come in yesterday and I was playing a movie and he's like oh this is great I love this movie and uh, so yeah, yeah, we're just trying to create that atmosphere of whether that's a throwback to arcades or whether that's our own mixture of retro and new age. Uh, we just want it to be in a somewhat inviting environment, I guess. I ask how he sees Dimension 4 compared to other unusual and somewhat quirky places like escape rooms and flying axes, which in Louisville lets you literally throw axes by the hour. It's really popular. I have yet to um, have a chance to go do it, but uh, in talking with other people, it's, it's a lot of times you have to wait to get in and do it, but everybody says it's a blast. You know, it's it's a different, and you know, some, some arcades, so there are like escape room VR uh, experiences uh, they're not done super well yet. Um, there's some single player ones that are okay. Um, but most escape rooms, you, the, the whole point is to be with a group and to figure it out as a group. Um, and so we had looked at a few options for that just to try and catch some of that, um, some of that consumer base and they, they're just not up to snuff. They, it's not a good experience. It's not, it wouldn't be something I want someone to get in and say, Oh, this is VR. Well, that's not very good. Um, so we've steered away from that for the time being. Uh, but we like to think that we're in the same line as far as a group experience, uh, just because, you know, you can come in and whether you, uh, have the whole place. So we have seven bays active right now. We're going to have nine done. And so we could put all, once all nine are done, all nine could be in the same game. So if you got a group of nine, they could all be playing together, whether that's uh, playing against each other. Um, typically nine, it would be like, uh, team versus team or one-on-one -on -one. Um, but then other you know groups of four can do cooperative things uh, like quests together so you know you're working together just as you would in an escape room maybe not to that sense of puzzling um, but you know there's a sense of strategy and togetherness and uh, tactical um, being yeah being somewhat tactical together so you know while it's not the same you still get that interaction between everyone and that uh, participation so you know it's it's different and I, I i love escape rooms i think they're great i really enjoy them um but you know we're just a, just another form of entertainment that can be enjoyed on in a, on a separate weekend and what does dimension four do to reach customers so as it stands now, because we're still undergoing construction, uh, we really haven't done a whole lot except for just social media. Um, and that was intentional. We didn't want to, uh, we wanted to use this time as like a soft opening to work through bugs, which we found and have been, it's been good to not be just over, um, overrun with a, a consumer base. But that being said, we've had to turn people away on, on the weekends, every, almost every weekend. Uh, so we've been open what three weekends. So the past two weekends we've had to turn people away cause we're at max capacity, which is a great problem to have. Um, but so 
but yeah, we've really just stuck to the social media aspect for now, just shooting out updates and trying to get in the word around. But as we're still building out, we're, we're not really doing anything else. And still that organic growth has been insane. Um, considering we're not in any publications right now, we're not, uh, we're still haven't printed up flyer. We're waiting to get our, um, all of our games loaded before we print out brochures. But even without that, um, it's just taken off. Uh, so the goal is once the party room's done and once the decors and we're completely loaded with all of our titles to start hitting uh, publications. We've looked at some advertising uh, in, in some local uh, areas. And now the other problem with that is right now I couldn't really couldn't justify the expense um, considering our growth is already um, what we consider great. Um, and so to go spend money on more marketing when it just keeps getting busier and busier as the weeks go on. It just seems like a waste until we hit a point to where maybe we've plateaued in our consumer base. And it's like, okay, now we need to reach someone else. At that point, we start, you know, looking at what that advertising should be and what that cost should be. Um, but right now, the focus is social media. We do, uh, we've talked about going live on uh, on YouTube. So doing maybe like a weekend um broadcast or you know record experiences throughout the week and get interviews from just uh, a customer comes in and say hey what'd you play what'd you think about it and then you put that out every weekend and everybody loves youtube everybody loves to see themselves on youtube and so the hope is you know you know bob comes in plays a game and then he's like hey check this out i played this game i'm on youtube now and then he shows his buddies and they're like oh yeah i want to i want to go check that um so that and that's you know essentially that would be free minus the cost of your equipment and the time just to uh, have someone dedicated to recording experiences. I then asked him about Twitch streaming. Twitch Twitch would be another option, but for from our standpoint, um, it would be more of interaction with cu- customers and Twitch. Right. People just want to watch people game, which uh, isn't a bad thing, but it does. So if we were to set that up in here, and which we could, and which that was a discussion too, is letting people stream their games. Mm-hmm. Um you do it it creates a, a it, it can bog down your system a little bit and so we don't want to compromise the experience just for the sake of someone streaming that out uh so it not to say it won't happen down the road but it's kind of it's an afterthought right now and the whole setup seems a little bit complicated for what they're doing now and some individuals look at it they think or their their goal is is kind of a monetary aspect on streaming in the hopes that they get x amount and then so what does that look like if we have individuals streaming from from our location and and there would be a lot of little um areas to go through and it would get a little little complicated at times Um, again it's something to possibly think about i asked how he validated the idea and if he had a vr headset prior to starting the company yes yep so i i bought my htc vive it's been about two and a half years ago at least um, and just bought it from, uh, again, I was a gamer and virtual reality had, had come out and I'd seen it on YouTube and, and actually I worked with a gentleman who had one and, uh, he would always tell me, he's like, man, you just have to try it out. Like I can't explain and you watch it on, on YouTube or you watch it online somewhere and it, it just doesn't do it justice. And it took some convincing because I, I didn't really have a gaming PC at that time. I was just a console gamer. And so, you know, I had to convince the wife to let me spend money on a PC and a Vive and then take a room in our house and dedicate it to virtual reality. Um, and, but so when I finally pulled that trigger and got into it, I, I was just as blown away as everybody is when they play it. 
Um, so yeah, so and again, that excitement, you know, I, I felt it. And then again, watching friends and family and my my sons, uh, watching them get in it. Uh, you know, we you you see that it, you see that it is a incredible experience. And again, that that hope was yeah, this is going to translate well in a in a consumer market. We then discuss where Scott would like the business to be in a few years' time. We dance back and forth with what the what the actual shelf life is of this virtual reality arcade. Um, for now, I, nobody knows, and they're con- it's they're just popping up everywhere, and it's it's much more prevalent uh, for us. Assuming this goes well and, is, and keeps going on the on our current trend, uh, we would love to just you know branch out and just quite frankly open more dimension four locations um get in get into the louisville market so people don't have to cross the bridge and you know also you know if we open another location or a third location you know we want to focus on tournaments and leagues and so you know we would have three locations to participate in in tournaments and you have that bandwidth to accommodate large groups playing you know team matches together and and also i mean to Go with Indiana versus Louisville uh, tournaments, or what, whatever that looks like. Because uh, right now, you know, we're going to have tournaments here, but we're limited to we're going to be limited to nine players, uh, which it can be done. And and we've actually had some conversation with other arcades about some cross arcade play. Um, but the goal, if we could do that and have our own locations, or we control that and what that looks like and have it very structured, uh, that would be the goal. So more locations would be great. Now, again, the, the life of this, we, we don't know. Um, but again, it's, it's still going to play to the, the sense that not everybody's going to buy a, a gaming PC. And well, I just go back to that. The, the cost for someone to do this at home is going to be high for a long, long time. Uh, so we hope that that means that we'll be around for a long, long time. I ask about the rigs that run the VR equipment. We partnered with uh, with CyberPower, and actually, my my business partner Damon um, reached out to a few different individuals, and uh, ended up having a good experience with a rep at CyberPower PC. Went through what we wanted our specs. We wanted uh, we wanted PCs that were powerful enough to really run everything, and not run it full resolution. I mean, as best we could but still running enough that we don't have to dial it down and everybody's going to have a really good experience um with within vr uh, a lot of people if you don't have a good graphics card so we're running uh gtx 1080s it is a good graphics card now of course you can always go higher than that but we just didn't as a, at this standpoint it's it would be overkill um but the problem and if you dial go below that and you get an, a less than worthwhile experience and say you start dropping frame rates you know that's when people get motion sickness and you have other issues around that so we wanted to really safeguard and you know with a 1080 we're not going to have to upgrade that for a while unless we up so they have the new they have the vive pro out as well so if we decided to go that route uh, we may jump it up to a 1080 ti um, just to match what that vive pro is going to pull because it's going to pull down your resolution well it's going to put a put a more strain because it is higher resolution it's going to put a strain in your system um, but that's for down the road. So again, we wanted to be powerful enough to run things comfortably, um, but not just go all out to where we're just dumping a ton of money in these PCs up front. Um, so as I mentioned, we're running the 1080. 
Uh, we're running i7, 8700s, um, all on SSD. So we're getting, you know, as the memory as fast as possible. We tried to really plan, you know, and we've seen, unfortunately, we've seen other arcades um, that tried to skimp out. And there's there's places to make cuts, um, but we've seen arcades that skimped out on hardware and it didn't it didn't end well. Um, and so we didn't want to fall into that trap and we just better safe than sorry on, on that that standpoint. So while these rigs aren't the pinnacle of computer performance, it doesn't really make too much sense to spend a whole lot more on something that's just a little bit better. We we've been happy with the performance. Like I said, we get in and we test every game, uh, and so far everything's run great and and people enjoy and you know it's a funny thing we we scrutinize game we get in and we see oh this doesn't look as good and, and we are very but but we've done it for so long on a personal level that you know that's kind of no but that's the normal but people that come in that have never done virtual reality they wouldn't if we could have probably put you know a 1070 or maybe less and they still would have been blown away by the immersion uh, but you know you would have things like the motion sickness more be, would be more uh, likely to kick in or just other drops where, you know, maybe someone would start to see it, but we just didn't want to risk it. And we wanted everyone to have this just super wow experience. And for what it's worth, the rigs are beautiful too. Well, and that was another, he, uh, he made sure and picked out a, a case that was, you know, we knew they were going to be mounted and where everybody's going to see it. So we wanted, yeah, we wanted to add to the appeal. So it's not just a big black box hanging on the wall. It's something someone's going to look at. And, and we do, we get individuals who appreciate the hardware that come in and say, yeah, that looks great. I didn't really understand how the licensing of these games worked. We have to buy commercial licenses for any game that we offer. Uh, so that can be done in a couple of ways. So we partnered with a company called Springboard VR. Um, and so they started as, they were one of the first arcades in the U.S. Um, back before you know this was a big thing and there was any kind of uh, community around it. So they started an arcade and they realized quickly that you know, there was no good way to manage that arcade. Um, you would have to go into Steam and launch a game, which is not easy for someone. And then you have to be there to help them get out of that game into a new game. So while they were running their arcade, they figured out that, you know, if these arcades are going to blow up everywhere, there needs to be a management software. And so long story short, they created that software, left their arcade, and this is all they do now is provide the software to other arcades. Um, so we partnered with them, and we run their um, their launching uh, platform on our case. So essentially, when someone gets in the headset, all they see is our library of games. They don't see, and they they're not able to get into the menus and change Steam accounts and all that. It's all just very turnkey. They play what they want. If they don't like it, they bounce out. They play another game. Um, and so, also a part of that service is they. Uh, proactively negotiate commercial licensing um, so we and you know they look for input on what we're looking for and what's working what's not and then they go to those developers and say hey would you be interested in an arcade setting and we'd like to we, you know you would you pay X so a lot of the um, a lot of the developers work on a we pay X per minute so you know as long as someone's playing and our, our software tracks whatever everyone's playing at the end of that month, you know, the bill comes due on, okay, we played this game was popular and we owe you this. Um, now, on the other side of that, you can also, we we can go through Steam, and which we've had to do on a few instances to where maybe the developer hasn't negotiated with Springboard yet. And then we purchase a commercial license through Steam. 
Um, and that's through, you know, you set up a special account as a arcade or like a cafe setting, and then you, you get that pricing and, um, it's structured that way. And that's kind of like a, a pay you, it's like a monthly fee and you pay that every month to keep that game per, per station. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it would be nice if there were, you know, there's a lot of games out there. Uh, Beat Saber is one. It's a newer game that we've had, gosh, at least 10 people come in over the last three weeks that come in there were looking for that game. Uh, and it takes time with new games for the developers to negotiate what and understand what the commercial license should look like. Um, so there's games like that that we haven't got that we're waiting on. that, And it, it, it's... I mean, I, I guess it's frustrating in some instances that we can't give it as soon as it comes out because it's a hit and everybody wants to play it um, and kind of ride that wave of it's new and exciting. Um, but if it's a good game and then, you know, down the road when that commercial license comes along, it'll still be viable and we'll still offer it and it'll still draw in people. Especially, I mean, again, with VR, you know, if, the kid, if people don't have a VR headset at home, if they have to wait another month for Beat Saber to come to us, well, they'll wait and then they'll come play it then. Um, so that's, that's kind of how that's structured. Then I asked about the name. We I can't remember all the different options, but we, we were just brainstorming. And, um, you know, it's funny on that one, we were both at work um, and, you know, not working on normal work things, apparently. And uh, we were texting back and forth. And, and I wish I could remember. I think it was, I think it was Dimension 4. Like, we were looking... We were trying to get something that was a play on a retro sci-fi, um, something that we had we'd gone through various phases of what the name and the atmosphere was going to be, and then obviously then looking at logo, um, and so at at some point I remember I was sitting there and we were looking we were going through names and I had typed out uh, something dimension. And at the same time, I typed that Damon sent something. And I think he sent Dimension 4. And I was like, oh, man, that is insane. So I actually I pulled my phone up and took a picture of my screen and said, this is what I just typed out, and you sent this. And so I, mine was, it was something Dimension, and he had done. And so then it was like Dimension 4. That I liked it. And then we, But it was funny. We were, it was just that mind meld right there that it, it was, we were just in tune. And of course I had to ask, what is Scott's favorite game? So my favorite game ever, um, gosh, that is. So it's a. I'm gonna. It's a toss up uh, between uh, the Bio. Well, let's go with series. So the Bioshock series and the Fallout series. Um, between those two, yeah. So yeah, we have our Pit Boy or our. I'm sorry, our Vault Boy uh, on the on the desk there, and um, and so those are my those I've dedicated so much time and just even and even Skyrim. So Bethesda in general, but the Bioshock was my first love. Um, that really sunk me in, and I've played them over and over. Um, but as far as from a VR standpoint, that is a tough one. Um, and I mean, I could always fall back on being in like Skyrim in VR is a very incredible experience. If anyone's done that, because with Skyrim you can mod it, and the the atmosphere, even just going through the mountains, is just incredible. It's a very very real sense of immersion. Yeah. So we do not, uh, we do not have the commercial license for it, and so that's more of a personal. Now, we've reached out, and I know uh, other arcades have reached out to Bethesda to say, "Hey, we would love to figure out some way to offer Skyrim and Fallout in VR." Um, now, obviously, our model is a pay per time, so it wouldn't, you know, no one's going to pay 
you know, whatever that is per hour, just because those are such long games. So we would have to revamp what that model looks like, particular to those games. Uh, but the hope is one day we can offer at least someone the experience to get in and, and play it, whether they want to stay in there for a full campaign or they just want to experience Skyrim or, or the Wasteland and Fallout in a, in that sense of immersion. Um, but, you know, I there's there's so many that are really well done. And this may sound dumb, but I always come back to Job Simulator, uh, which is, you know, if you were to see it, it looks so cartoony and you think, oh, that's like a kid game. But it's so well done. And when you're in it, um, and I've mentioned this to multiple people, you 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 lose you forget that you're in a game to some extent. I mean, yeah, you you know because it's super cartoony, but how immersive it is and how well things re react with each other. That I've I've leaned so in one you're you're a um, I think I was in the office, so you're an office worker, and I went to pick something up off a shelf, and I went to lean on that desk. Uh, obviously, that desk isn't there because I'm in VR, and you know you catch yourself before you fall, and it kind of scares you, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm an idiot. You know, I'm I'm in this game, and I just totally forgot myself and went to lean so I could reach something else. Um, so just I, I always come back to that. That is such a well done game, um, and it it's just really impressive from a VR stand. Even though it doesn't look real, it it's just super super good. Um, well, I, we had a group here last night and the guy was like, man, just get in it for a little, he was, he, he had, he was a repeat customer and he brought in another group and they were talking about job simulator and it was the same thing. Why do I want to do a job? He said, well, let's get in it. And then, and then they got in it and this, uh, this, uh, this woman played it, um, for a while. And how can people find dimension four online? Basically you can, and it's linked all through our website, dimension four VR.com. Uh, and right now we're utilizing uh, Facebook. We have a dimension four Facebook page. And also, we're uh, my partner mainly does the posting on, on Instagram. And so you can find us there. Um, that's essentially it. We, again, we've, we have a YouTube channel that's not public. And we, we went ahead and set one up in the kind of the pre-planning that eventually we're going to start, start streaming something. Um, but So you wouldn't be able to find it right now. Uh, but hopefully, and well, again, with the way things are going, I think it'd be it'd be a good move to start putting individuals on so on up on YouTube or and we've already we already do several posts. Pictures people love to be posted on uh, Facebook. They love having their picture on social media. I mean that's and so we've really tried to play on that. But I think hopefully in the next few weeks we'll start our first. You know, maybe it's a just a customer experience. Throw it up for a quick quick snapshot on YouTube and see how that plays out. Once again, that was Scott with Dimension 4 VR in New Albany. I hope everyone listening gets a chance to check it out. Big thanks to Scott for letting me interview him, and I hope to be back soon with yet another entrepreneur in the Louisville area.